Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it's so worth it. If you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red button, and attend a free webinar on the secret to starting your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I am super excited to bring you today's featured guest, Ilana Mehta. Ilana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ken. A gift to be here. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you here. And let me just do a brief intro so everybody knows who you are, because this is an amazing woman. For everybody listening, this gal's got it going on. So Ilana Mehta is a community builder. She is a leadership and embodiment coach and an influencer from New York City. Now, she is the founder of what's known as the Meta Method. It's a globally recognized embodiment technique practiced by thousands worldwide. She's taught this for, you know, aided growth and, and, and help with numerous communities, including Esalen, Wanderlust, the Summit Series, and Burning Man organization, plus many, many more. Now, she's an activist. She's a feminine catalyst, a professional dancer and speaker. She holds a bachelor's degree in dance, a master's level certification in leadership from the Institute of Embodied Wisdom. And at, she's an intimacy, sex, and embodiment, or I'm sorry, intimacy, intimacy, sex, and empowerment coach from the Tantric Institute of Integrated Sexuality. Say that real fast three times. Right. <laughs> <laughs> On top of all this, she's the founder and CEO of Wild Vessel, building experience spaces around the expanding global feminine movement and our human potential. <sighs> That's a lot, girl. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. She's currently in a cabin for five months writing a book in the woods. <laughs> yes, that too. So <laughs> do me a favor. Just kind of give us a little window in on how did you get started doing all this amazing work? Ooh, where to start in that one? Well, let's see. I was born in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by the way, thank you for that intro, and it's a gift truly to be on this show right now. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I I came into the world and just, you know, I'm so fortunate to have the parents that I do that raised me the way that I was raised. I was um, born into a very holistic, vegetarian, activist family of two entrepreneurs, and my parents were beautiful role models in what it means to be in a loving relationship, as my parents are still together to this day. And um, I have an older brother and sister, and my parents really raised me in the space of letting my curiosity and my wildfire to be explored in the world, and definitely my wildfire was... Um, not so contained growing up and I attracted a lot of conflict and challenges growing up because of how much energy I did have in my life. And my parents tried to support me with different resources when it came to school and giving me extra, extra help and support, uh, as well as putting me in a bunch of physical activities to really support me to get a lot of energy out of my system. 
And in that, I actually found my freedom through different sports and dance and activities when I was younger. And it was also a very painful journey because I actually did not trust my own fire because it got me in a lot of trouble and it was painful. And I really only trusted myself when I was actually harnessing discipline and technique. And I would say to just speed this up, I, you know, I went to college on a soccer scholarship because I was playing soccer most of my life as that was the channel that I choose to harness a lot of that energy through. And that's how I started actually trusting myself in my physical body was through soccer. And after half a semester, I was just like, this is not for me. I'm not going to be professional. And I actually dropped out of college. I moved to Manhattan. I started dancing in the subways as a subway dancer. And that was my first paying gig. Eventually formed a dance crew. And that sparked my entrepreneurial ship. And it also sparked in me, what else can I do that no one's telling me that I can do? (laughs) And that whisper and... That whisper mixed with my wildfire and truly like my wild feminine, the woman inside me, this this primal intelligence. And I say that as one of the multiple intelligences that I feel like is a forgotten art form within ourselves as human beings of remembering our primal nature. And I feel like I've actually my life path has been taking me on this journey of unveiling primal intelligence in my body and that's mixed with you know spiritual intelligence emotional intelligence cognitive spatial rhythmic it's almost who are we once we have all these multiple intelligences to know who we are when shit hits the fan who are we under pressure not just psychologically but also in our bodies in a kinesthetic manner and I feel like my whole life journey has really unfolded that both as an entrepreneur to exploring and even trusting myself outside of just these physical frameworks that I militantly put myself in. Cause I also then went back to school, got my BA in dance. I trained at the hip hop dance conservatory and I'd say my real healing journey began around um, sexual traumas that led me into becoming a tantra coach and sex coach essentially. Um, as well as, I mean, like I'm dancing all over the place here, uh, but really I'd say harnessing my fire to not only trust it and cultivate and understand the energy and power I have in it, but also to liberate it. And when I say it, to liberate myself, to trust my fire, to trust myself in all the elements truly, which is essentially the meta method. It's the dance of the natural elements. And so my life journey of how I've got here is who am I in my fire, my water, my earth and air? Who am I accepting the life and the death of all of those elements, the shadow and the light myself in a mind state and myself also in a physical expression of all of those. And by allowing myself to know who I am in all four of those quadrants, it has allowed me to be in the fifth element is what I call meta, which is the time and space, a place to be operating from center, to operate from a place of choice. And that has, I'd say, been one of the deepest ways by saying yes to that dance journey from the moment of birth that has gotten me here today. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And so multifaceted. I love all the different pieces and parts that you shared with us there. Let me ask you something, Elana, because mm-hmm. obviously our show is speaking of partnership. We, we focus on partnerships and the payoff of, of being in partnership 
for you personally, what what do you find is kind of like some people call it a touchstone or a guiding principle or a mantra, but what, what's that thing you come back to when you notice that you may have gotten off your path of partnership? Mm. Well, let's get clear on partnership right now because I, when I did the show with Elena, I was in a beautiful partnership, which I'm currently not in anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was an unbelievable two and a half year relationship. And something I want to talk about with that and with the question that you just asked is, one of the greatest experiences of that relationship was watching us uncouple from that relationship or closing that relationship, if we don't want to use the word uncoupling. Uh, yet what we practiced was the dojo of love. And to see us staying in the dojo, like stepping onto that mat, and the dojo is a martial art form of, you know, stepping onto the mat to practice, to, to train. So to be in the dojo of love, like we're, we're on the training mat of love. And to see us stepping in that so fully as we're breaking up, so on the other side, to actually break through a huge transition to actually step into the people that we know we get to be even individually. But then from that and the essence remaining the same with our love, just the way and the context of how it actually looks shifts. And that to me is partnership actually staying intact and knowing that I am in partnerships with anything in my life because I'm constantly in relationship to something, energies that are seen and unseen. I'm in relationship to this space, to this cabin that I'm currently in. I'm in relationship to the nature around me. I'm in relationship to any person that I'm choosing to engage and have a conscious conversation with. And I feel like partnership is someone meeting in that power and shipping us away into the highest, deepest, integral codes of what we individually stand for and then also collectively. I love that. And I love where you started with that, about it being like the the uncoupling or the, the dismantling of a partnership and that that was another form of partnership. Totally. That, to me, that... That is the, the piece that I think is actually the most powerful because people remem remember the beginning and endings of so many things. Mm -hmm. And those are two very important pieces to recognize of how we enter things and how we close them. And that transitions in our life, those spaces, like the in-between spaces that we don't, I believe, as a society even give that much value to. Uh, it's so important to realize who am I amongst the transition? Like who am I when it gets really hard? Who am I in the uncertainty in now things are changing? Who am I amongst the change? Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. And, you know, I, I think one of the most important aspects in that is, is as we're shifting, making that change from, let's say, a partnership with someone else, Mm -hmm. To where we're going, oh, I need to remember the partnership with myself. Mm -hmm. Because where I thought I could always offload things onto my external partner, well, now I can't just dismiss those pieces. They still exist. Mm -hmm. I still need to be in partnership with what do I need to be my best in this situation, whatever that situation is. Fully. Yeah. A partnership can really only work if we acknowledge that we are part of the whole. And even without the part of the whole, just by being a part, a piece of it, 
even that separate piece needs to be whole in its representation to step into the ship of it all. Nice. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you, because one of the things that, that our listeners love about this show is, is our guests are so generous in sharing their own, you know, their personal experiences. Yeah. And I'm just curious if you'd share with us a, a time in your life when eh, maybe you kind of tripped up in a partnership and just, you know, share with us briefly, what is that story? What, like, what were you doing? What'd you trip on? And, and ultimately, what'd you learn from that experience has helped you move forward? Mm. <sighs> The first one that comes up, because I feel like it's something that's so relatable, uh, which is abuse. Uh, When I was 20 in an abusive relationship, um, what I noticed was the the violence that that relationship caused. And I'll I'll share that the closing of that relationship was him um, being very physically abusive and essentially trying to take my life towards the end. And also in between that relationship to have someone that is quite violent, but oh my goodness, did I love this man so much. And to have someone that was violent to themselves during the relationship, he was not violent to me until the end. Uh, But then that person wanting to have sex with me right after their violence. And as I've studied deeper in the Tantra Uh, Tantra world, there's something that I've unfolded called fuck-kill consciousness, where fucking and killing are so closely related and connected that I've brought so much healing to that time of my life, to the work that I'm now practicing every day. And this man would be so violent to himself and then want to fuck me. And I would let that happen. So I was experiencing rape within my own relationship because how do I tell a man that's violent to not jump on my body when my response at that time was freeze? Because all I could do is freeze. I was frozen. And I just wanted him to be better. So I would self-sacrifice myself. And what I also noticed in this was I was absolutely attracting this in my life. Why? Because of the fire that I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast and my wild, uh, my wild side that I had funneled into different sports and activities because I cultivated a fear around my own fire and flame because I was told that it was evil, that I was mischievous, that I was a troublemaker, that it was socially not acceptable in my life to have this fire that I came into the world with. And I feel that I suppressed that for such a long time in my life that I was watching someone exploded out in front of me because I wasn't taking personal responsibility of it. And when I'm in, and many of us are in deep partnership with someone, our shadow is completely revealed. What we shove in the closet that we're like, nope, this isn't here. Can't see anything behind this. And it starts to come out like little drips. And those once those pieces start Being revealed, sometimes the whole closet can open and it can flood out of all this information and it can turn into um, tremendous reactions and also pointing the finger and blaming the other one. And through that relationship, just the only way to actually heal from it and realize what was happening is to take full responsibility on my end. Now, was I physically violent? No. 
However, was I psychologically violent to myself in suppressing myself, in watching this man have temper tantrums and feel like he was acting out what was playing inside my mind? Yeah. And that's a fascinating thing. And then to also then take ownership that I attracted that whole piece. I mean, we can all imagine the journey of just even doing that because that is not an easy thing to do, right? Like I can say it, but then to actually experience it on a visceral level for myself, to actually take that energy out of my body and transmute it into something else, the only way that that's possible and the only way I believe to really heal from these traumatic experiences is to own them ourselves, to take full responsibility of how how did I attract this into my life and taking this piece of darkness, knowing that darkness is not um, – it's not a stagnant energy. It's not a stagnant form. It is life force. And I get to take responsibility of shifting that darkness into my gold, into my light, taking my traumas and making it the greatest, greatest journey of a lifetime. And that to me is the human experience. What do we choose to do with our traumas? How do we choose through partnership? Because I see partnership as a tremendous gateway and invitation for us to see our traumas, to then reach for the goals in our life. If we have the courage to do so, to truly produce the results that we want and be the humans that we are designed to be for this lifetime. And this is the last thing I'll say with that is, I've been like, when I talk to clients, I say, use all of your gifts, all of them. And that means using our traumas, using every single chapter of our life and relating it through this wholeness for us to actually generate our human potential. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny because um, I had a guest on the show a while back named Dr. Azita Nahai, and she had a great line. She said, never waste a good trigger. Yeah, it's a good one. And it's exactly what you're talking about here. Mm -hmm. uh, there's all these things, and we've labeled them as bad or terrible or embarrassing or dirty or whatever, and it's like they're all opportunities. Mm -hmm. And what do we do with them? Do we try and hide them? Or do we go, well, let's light this up? Yeah. And that can be a very confronting thing of who oh, yeah. are we when we get to choose our life, when we get to really take responsibility of what we are creating from the light, from the dark. Yeah. Yeah. And also taking it out of, um, I even say like a woo-woo kind of context, like the light and the dark, it's, um, and the shadow and that whole, uh, conversation. I mean, words are words. And it's also challenging to express a lot of these things with language, because I see language of almost freezing time <laughs> to express certain things as a more masculine type of trait, where the feminine is energy, it's expressed behind the words and the subtlety, which is why I think a lot of people struggle to even understand the association around the shadow and darkness and they maybe translate it to just a color scheme of like light and dark or this is woo woo I like energy but I think it's so important that we actually heal this this notion around uh, this conversation not being for me or 
not actually stepping deeper into our emotional capacity, our emotional intelligence and seeing emotions as weak or to not go there. And it's easier to not invest time in the emotional stuff because processing is a waste of time. All right. So I feel like I, I guess I'm, I'm saying this because I've had conversations with clients recently that do not yet see the value of working on an emotional intelligent level quite yet. And allowing ourselves to understand what our shadow is and what the dark is as an energy and letting energy constantly be transformed and not disempowering ourselves from actually doing this work because of a taboo and a stigma that we've associated based on societal standards that we actually can't tap into this information and get the results that we want in our life. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting because I, I was actually working with someone this morning around this um, mm-hmm. where you were talking about, you know, uh, the words and the masculine and the feminine. And, and, and we were talking about there's a difference between communicating and expressing. Yeah. And communication is words. Mm-hmm. It's words. They're fine. But there's no energy to it. There's no chargers. It's like if your words aren't coming through your heart and out your mouth, there's no expression. Fully. Totally. And this is about my book. Um, And can I use curse words here? Because it's really about liberating it, actually. Yes. Fantastic. So this, uh, the book that I'm writing right now, and I'm not mentioning a title intentionally, it is geared all around the way in which we are fucking life, fucking our lives, fucking the world. And essentially, it's a manifesto for being a good fucking human. And it is freeing this word fuck because we have such um, we have such a relationship to it of it being intense or uh, inappropriate where fuck is around our sexuality fuck is also we use it in so many different ways right but it's one word yet this word has so many different meanings based on the energy and the realm in which we're speaking penetrating it out into the world It has such a powerful force to it. It can create such force where it's extracting from life or such force that it's creating life, right? And so seeing just even with this word fuck, beyond the word and seeing the language that it actually gets to translate with and depending on the energy that we're choosing to put it out into the world with. So, so true. And it is. It's such, it's such a funny word because maybe more than any other word in the English language, the energy behind it is so varied, but also so powerful. Like people like that word because it's so powerful. Exactly. To me, it's one of the most power. It is the power, most powerful word. Like it is to fuck can be to create and to destroy. And with that, I'm seeing, I'm, I've been seeing fuck as an equation. So fuck equals life multiplied by force. And what I just said before, if we're fucking with a lot of force, we're extracting from life. If we're fucking with a lot of life, then it's not really going anywhere. It's not, doesn't have much momentum into the world. So how do we realize where our fuck is coming from so we can actually produce life force, produce the results that we want in our life? 
And I see life as the feminine and force as the masculine. And these two together are so powerful. And right now in our world, we're experiencing a lot of fucking in the world with a lot of force, which is why we have a lot of analytical cognitive processes, technology operating from the throat up type of things. And we're constantly thinking up and out, especially when we think of consciousness and spirituality, when spirit, the spirit molecule actually lives down and in. It lives in my body. It lives in the trees. It lives in the earth. It lives in the systems that are actually here on the earth. So that is the life, right? Life is here on earth. And it's fascinating to feel that life is produced by the elements, which is our senses, fire, water, earth, and air. So to tap back into the life, those sensations, those elements that are here on the planet, as well as our body, that is a direct correlation in how we can actually start producing life with our fuck as we start penetrating the world in a beautiful way. And then the last thing I'll say about fuck, it's also, you know, fuck is to create, right? So... We can be a bunch of fuckers, a bunch of creators, and to do that is a terrifying thing because that means we'd have to take responsibility and ownership of our life. And to do that, it means that we also would have to take responsibility that life correlates with death. And because we have a challenging relationship with death, I think a lot of people are afraid to live. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so living in this cabin and it's, it's the winter, it's very cold. I'm lighting a fire every single day. And as I express in the beginning of this, I've had a beautifully challenging relationship with fire in my life. Like I was just building two businesses, Meta Method and Wild Vessel, and I was burning my fire and trailblazing everywhere that I went. And my fire essentially burned me. And I knew for all of this to happen, all of these businesses, my relationships, all of it, for it to live, everything had to die. And I literally felt like I lit a torch. I lit it all on fire. And it's taken me on this beautiful journey to now wind up in this cabin. And here I am lighting a fire every day and seeing that my fire isn't being penetrated and shot into the world. I'm actually letting myself cook under my own flame which I've never gotten to do before, where I've gotten to be so still that I let myself simmer. And in that, and looking at the fire yesterday, it looked like death. You know, all the wood was burnt. And, you know, I've been looking at the fire every single day, but yesterday in particular, I just saw death when looking at this fire. And something that I've noticed that we say uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we say the term life and death rather than death and life. And by saying life and death, it instantly says we are alive and then the end result is death. It is blank. It is done. We are finished. But if we say death to life, it's almost like we have come from the ashes. We have come from death and we have risen beyond it into life. And from here, there's actually space and possibility for life to continue. It's an interesting thought. So I just wanted to throw it out there. It is an interesting thought. And, you know, and I, I believe this is true. I don't know 100% the validity of this, but this is, this is what popped in for me. So you're talking about, you know, life coming from the ashes. Something I was told once was that, you know, we've all heard the story of Thomas Edison had like 10,000 tries at creating a light bulb and they failed and people said you failed 10,000 times and he said no I found 10,000 ways that don't work. Mhm. Mm 
my understanding is what actually ended up creating the light bulb he made a mistake and he put one of the burned elements, one of the burned filaments that he had thought was no good, he had put it back in. Mm -hmm. And that's what created light. Mm -hmm. What he thought was already burned up and useless. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting what happens with this is, you know, obviously a lot of perspective, a lot of where are we feeding our energy. So let me ask you this. Let's flip this around because we were talking about, you know, things that hadn't worked and, and, and the difficulties and the challenges and, and, and so on. Share with us a story, Lana, of a, a time when I'll call it like a proud moment of partnership. One of those times where you look back on it and you're like, wow, that was freaking cool. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like I just mentioned one in the sense of I just uncoupled and broke up with my best friend. And we are close, closer than ever. And to watch this transition over the transitioning of our relationship in the last five months and just to, you know, high five each other. Be like, we just did a really good fucking job. Like, we love each other so much. He's in a new relationship. I'm potentially opening up a new relationship. And I think that's just such a beautiful thing to to have someone where we still get to be in the conversations with each other and the lens is a little bit different. But I got to say, I'm just so proud of the both of us because it's a, it's a direct reflection of who we are choosing to be as pieces of the part to actually unify a whole. Nice. nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm sad to say we're, we're, we're coming to the wrap up of the show and uh, um, I call this the bring it all home portion. So I'm going to ask us to step away from the story part okay. and I'm just going to ask you a couple quick questions that we can leave our, our listeners with, you know, some concrete, like very specifics they can walk out the door with. Right. And the first thing I wanted to ask you is what would you say for you personally is the best partnership or relationship advice that you've ever received? Hmm. The responsibility piece. Mm -hmm. If I don't like what is being reflected in front of me, that's an opportunity for me to look in the mirror. And I actually heard my friend Carson say that uh, as we were recording for our friend's wedding video, and he said that as the best man. And I was like, ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. That is a good one. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I would also say uh, one that I want to offer the listeners as being an intimacy coach, that our intimacy, our erotic nature and our sensuality is essential for us to be able to express what our desires are with a partner, even if they're not something that we necessarily act out, but to feel that safety and to have that trust within a relationship, to be able to express and communicate ourselves that to me is a key for any relationship to be self-sustaining, self-loving, and be able to truly be in partnership to have a teammate. Love it. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this then. If okay. you could pick any book or resource for our listeners around partnership, what would that be and why would you recommend that one? Ooh, I'd recommend the one I'm writing right now. <laughs> and it's going to be the goal 
my desire, and I'm pretty certain I'm on this path. It will be out in May of 2019. Awesome. So if anyone is interested, please uh, forward this my information along. Um, so yeah, ilanameta.com, and then we can get more into more detail from there. Uh, but that definitely is a book that I would recommend because it is all about partnership. It is all about responsibility, defining integrity, what alignment is, and that whole mind-body connection where it's constantly thinking of the two halves to the whole and knowing that that, that is where we get to operate from center, from love, from authenticity. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So what would you leave them with in the next five months? Mm-hmm relationship book it could be a resource if there's some other means that it comes to Mm -hmm. well there's there's two books that i will recommend one for the women and one for the men my dear girlfriend just wrote an amazing book called disrupt her Uh, her name is mickey agrawal and it's a manifesto for the modern woman and i i adore her and i love the way that she is breaking so many taboos in the industry, both for women and for men. So it's definitely something I recommend for all genders, as well as if men are really looking to sink their teeth into the conversation about the wild man, about what it means to be a man in today's society and world, uh, that the book I'd recommend is Iron John. And I can't remember the exact author of Iron John in this moment, but whew, that book is so potent and powerful. I, I feel that's the greatest book I've read when it comes to um, Robert Bly mm-hmm. is who wrote Iron John. So yeah, that Excellent. one's for me. Mm-hmm. Excellent suggestions. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, you, you alluded to this a moment ago, so let's make sure that our listeners do know how they can get a hold of you. What, what would be the best way for them to, to either contact you or, or learn more about what you do? Mm-hmm. My Instagram handle is at MetaMethod, M-E-T-A, Method. And my website is Ilana, E-L-A-N-A, Meta, M-E-T-A, dot com. And feel free to send me a message. I love getting personal messages. I also work with Uh, wonderful people as an intimacy coach. So I do one-on-one sessions and those can sometimes be in-person, beautiful personal retreats as well as um, calls. And yeah, if you're interested in the book, would love to send that over to you and see the different ways in which we can dance and collaborate in life together. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And anybody who was doing something else when we gave you that information, don't worry about it. All you have to do is go to speakingofpartnership.com, put in Alana's name, and it'll take you straight to her show page where you will see the contact information so we can get right to her right away. One last thing I will say is an offering that is definitely happening on the table is Wild Vessel, which we didn't talk much about in this interview, but they are immersive experiences designed to empower the feminine for all genders. And we were doing events in secret locations in LA with 200 women and 50 men at a time. And that was part of me, you know, one of the things that I chose to, in order for it to live, I had to let it die earlier this year. And it's coming back full circle at Esalen, May 3rd to the 5th. So we will be doing Wild Vessel at Esalen in May 2019. And if you're listening and interested, definitely check that out as well. Very cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, my dear, thank you so much for sharing your stories, your insights, super, super powerful stuff here. And I, I greatly, greatly appreciate you taking the time for us in the midst of your book writing. Mm. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Ken. Such a pleasure. And thank you everyone for uh, choosing your time to be with us. And yeah, really, really grateful. Awesome. Peace. Bye. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.